the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know this is Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Here's your host, Bob Bender. Well, welcome this Thursday afternoon to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Bob Bender here, your host, and so glad you are joining us, whether you're on your way home in your home or other places. Thanks for tuning us in. We want to bless you. We want to encourage you and equip you and have a measure of entertainment even as we get into your world, as you allow us to, and as we share Crosswalk Colorado Springs, the word 100.7 FM. I promised you a word for each day. And so this Thursday, as I am slodging through Job, I come to Job 19.25, where Job says, As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that at the last he will take his stand on the earth. Job 19.25, what a good word for Job. Speaking of Job, just a little background here theologically. Job, of course, written that we might have insight into suffering. In typical Hebraic uh, flavor, it is more cyclical in its genre as it's more narrative, story-driven. That's the Hebrew way of thinking emotively, Narratively, uh, we are more obviously influenced in our Western culture by Greek thinking, which is more propositional and linear. So if you're struggling with the genre of Job, that's why. But just hang in there, read the whole thing. And of course, we know how the story ends. Job didn't. Job didn't. But he, he hung in there. His faith was strong. And he even had insight into the resurrection, that life will follow death, and that the Lord will ultimately make it right. And so, Lord, thank you for your word. Speak to us every day through it. It is living. It is active. It is your love letter to us. So help us to embrace it and to receive the word implanted, which is able to save our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. The word implanted, able to save our souls. By the way, James is writing to Christians there. Our souls, mind, will, and emotions need saving, need delivering. So the word of God does that. Well, this week reminds us of a day... 22 years ago, where our innocence was shattered, a gut-wrenching 
experience as we heard or as we saw 9-11 unfold before our eyes. I remember exactly where I was, those of you 25, 26 years or older can remember, was sitting in my office. My admin ran in and said, you need to turn on your TV. And so I did. And there, the tower had already been struck the first time. And we're wondering, what what is going on? You remember that day. And then the second one struck. Then we knew what was happening. We immediately called our church to prayer. We're first church county seat, 20,000 people, and called the church to prayer and rang the carillons as a message to the community to seek the Lord. And we began to pray. I, I'm not God, but in some way, perhaps, maybe the prayers Maybe our prayers, maybe others' prayers made a difference. Maybe our prayers were answered when, though Flight 93, of course, took the lives of those in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, but more than likely saved hundreds as it was headed for the Capitol, as one 9-11 planner later confessed. So what what a day, what a tragedy, what a remembrance this week. Sad, indeed. And it raises a greater question. As we pondered that question that day, that week, and as we'll address the issue in a moment, when our staff found out about it and it began to sink in what was happening. We met immediately in my office conference room, and we began to talk about what we could do. We decided we we could plan a faith and freedom rally that very week at our high school uh, where they play the football games, the big stadium. It's really the college stadium, but used for high school games as well. Let's see if that's available Thursday night. So it was available. We got together, and it was just an amazing thing that we got to plan that so quickly. We had uh, God-honoring music. We had uh, music that was patriotic. We had a speaker. We had an American flag uh, bigger than a bus hanging from uh, two fire trucks with their ladders extended. I mean, it was a poignant powerful time to bring our community. Thousands showed up, unbelievably, bring our community together and and seek the Lord. And so that begs the question, what about the problem of evil and suffering? That is one of the most difficult questions to answer. I am not, I've had, by God's grace, 10 years of formal theological training, but I am ill-prepared to answer this question, I can only provide some insights. I mean, theologians, philosophers have tried through the centuries to answer it. I'm uh, obviously ill-equipped 
to do so, but let's let's engage that issue because it is universal on a macro level as the Russians invade Ukraine and the tragedies that are happening there. And I would say hundreds are coming to faith in Christ. We have boots on the ground there ministering to those who are left basically with nothing. We see it on an international scale. We see it uh, locally from time to time, and we, and we see it personally. Suffering. Suffering. One of the toughest topics as a pastor I was forced to deal with for 55 years in marriages, in losses. Uh, you don't want really to ever be with me when I have to notify a family that one of their loved ones has passed in a sudden car wreck. I lost one of my best friends this week suddenly to a heart attack my age. So that's gives you a pause for consideration. And then a pastor friend of mine, Ryan Roberts, in our community lost his young wife as we cried with him and prayed with him at our merge meeting yesterday. Your pastors in our community meet monthly to pray over our city, to encourage one another. I want you to know that. It's important for you to know that. Other kinds of issues come up, obviously. Crises. By the way, the Chinese word for crisis is a combination of two words, danger and opportunity. So whenever a crisis comes your way, remember, there is danger here, there is opportunity here, and whichever way you go depends on your response. I'll see you in a moment as we continue to unpack this issue of the problem of evil and suffering in our world. Good afternoon again and welcome back. We are discussing a universal problem, a personal problem, one that has no easy answers, but one we need to address this, the 22nd anniversary of 9-11, and as we think in terms of the problem of evil and suffering as it impacts your life, we are all going through challenges, and I think what we need to avoid is when we go through these challenges personally, is when people ask how we're doing, simply smile and say, I'm fine, fake it until you make it and not allowing anybody into your life to help you. So let's not, let's not fake it. Let's let people in when we are hurting rather than just glossing over it because it'll, it'll catch up to us sooner or later. And I am a testimony of that, so don't handle it like I did. Earlier in life, story is told a farmer was coming out of his field along the back roads of a remote area 
Just as he pulled out on the road, a city slicker came speeding over the hilltop and hit his rig. The farmer is lying there pinned under his wagon, his dog not far away, and his mule across the road in another ditch. About the time, car pulled up, and the farmer thought, Thank God someone is going to help me. Then when he saw it was the sheriff, he was even more relieved. The sheriff looked over the situation at a glance. Seeing the mule had a broken leg and suffering, he pulled out his revolver and shot it to end its misery. He walked across the road and saw the dog was just as bad off he wasn't going to make it easier, so he shot him to end his misery. Then he walked back over to the farmer and asked if he was in any pain. The farmer said, "'Never felt better in my life.'" <laughs> I guess he thought he was going to get shot, too. Well, let's don't fake it. Let's get real and get in touch with our emotions and our thought processes as we try to unpack this issue of the problem of evil and suffering. J.B. Phillips writes, The problem of human suffering is, I believe, the biggest serious obstacle to faith in a God of love today. End quote powerfully said. People have wrestled with the problem of evil and suffering down through the ages. Why do innocent people suffer? Why do the good die young? Why is there so much evil in the world? Why doesn't God answer my prayers that involve the best for my loved ones? In order to address this problem, hang with me now, we've got to go through several steps, and they are sequential, they are chronological. Hang with me. We're getting in deep water, but necessary water. We've got to go clear back to creation, where God set up a causal arrangement whereby things operate according to principles of of the laws of nature. Man was created good, free morally, and the earth was created without a flaw. Obviously, man had the ability to choose good and evil. So listen to this. So God voluntarily limited his control over the planet and over mankind because of his own love. Therefore, the world is not a puppet show. He gave man the freedom to make his own choices. So God is not limited externally, but by his own essential character. And so we've got to understand the dynamics that went on when creation was formed because we're answering the question, a personal God who is all-powerful and all-perfectly good, how do we account for the fact and presence of evil, sin, and suffering in the world? Let me repeat that. A personal God who is all-powerful and perfectly good, how do we account for the fact and presence of evil, sin, and suffering in the world. So we have to go back to creation where God desires to have a host of worshipers who freely chose to love him. So in giving then man free will, the fall occurred, obviously. Man chose against God, resulting in sin, evil, and suffering. In Genesis 3, you've got women having to be in pain in childbirth. You have men having to work and sweat 
against the elements to provide a living. You've got a, an, a world that is fallen, according to Romans 8, groaning. That's why we have chaos and tension and violence and evil and death in an abnormal universe, including even the storms of all kinds. So man chose against God. And listen, Satan was the author of evil, sin, and rebellion, suffering and death to follow. But of course, in Adam we all die, but in Christ we're made alive. Thus, evil came from Satan and man directly, and yes, indirectly from God, because he allowed us to have free choices. So therein you have the problem as it began in the creation, as it continued through the fall. Now, there are several solutions to this problem. They all fail. One solution is evil is non-existent. That's the Christian science approach. Dualism is a solution. Two gods with equal power fighting it out. That's not an answer. Despotism is an answer. An impersonal God, this is the God of Islam, the the fatalistic God, the will of Allah. You've got the powerless God solution. Rabbi Kushner writes, and I believe the title of his book is uh, Why Do Good People Experience Bad Things or something. I forget the title, but the direct quote is, We suffer because even God has a hard time keeping chaos in check. God is a God of justice, but not of power, end quote. Is that the answer? Of course not. We could say that suffering is a result of sin punishable by God. Is that the answer? As Jesus passed by in John 9, he saw a blind man. The disciples said, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he would be born blind? In other words, we're assuming that either he or his parents sinned that this man would be born blind. Jesus said, neither, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. God is going to be glorified in this situation, and in this case, he healed him. Another alternative solution is a watchmaker God. We have a God who created this universe like a a watch threw it out into the universe, God having neither power nor love, and letting things just evolve and follow their own sequence and their own pattern. So what is the answer? The answer, obviously, is understanding that from creation to the fall, that's where it began. But then we've got to engage the issue of salvation, redemption, deliverance. The philosopher Goethe said, If I were God, the suffering of the world would break my heart. Listen, dear friend, it did break God's heart. God had only one son without sin and never one without suffering. God has done something about the problem of evil and suffering in the world. He sent his own son to bear our griefs and carry our sorrows and die on the cross in our place. You see, the Gospels don't explain evil, really now. They just give principles for experiencing victory 
over suffering. By one man, sin came into the world, resulting in death, and by one man, resurrection from the dead in Christ. So Christ came into the world not to explain the problem of evil, but to solve it. And we'll continue to try to solve this in a moment. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7, The Word. Addressing the problem of evil, sin, and suffering in the world wasn't God's plan. He planned a perfect environment with perfect innocent people. Adam and Eve chose you know which direction they chose, and in him we all follow that. And because sin came into the world, then followed suffering and death and sorrow and all that goes with it. It's interesting, in John, excuse me, in Luke the 13th chapter, now on the same occasion where Jesus was talking, there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And so, They were running up and telling Jesus, look, did you hear about Pilate who killed a bunch of innocent Galileans? In fact, while they were worshiping God, Pilate came and spilled their blood with the blood of the sacrifices. How do you think Jesus responded to that? Here's his perfect opportunity to address the problem of evil and suffering in the world. And Jesus said to them, in fact, he raises the ante. He says, well, let me, let me just mention one even. Let me one-upmanship you. Do you suppose that those Galileans were greater sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this fate? Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who lived in Jerusalem? So Jesus raises two issues here. And what does he say? He says twice, I tell you no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Jesus brings this issue down on a personal level. Jesus says there's a lot of things in this world that aren't fair. A lot of things occur. But you have control over your own life. And unless you repent, you will perish like them. So the God who created the world redeemed it. And the gospel is good news in an evil world. We're thinking in terms of creation, fall, and salvation, but dear friend, listen. We need to look forward to glorification. Let me tell you what the Islamic terrorists say. They say, a thousand years is nothing to us. A thousand years is nothing to us. What are they saying? They're saying, we can wait, we can do our dastardly deeds and evil, and we'll, we'll get there. We need to have that same attitude as a Christian to see the big picture and to look forward to our glorification. God will someday stamp out all evil when every tear will be dried and every pain will be diminished and done away with and every sin taken care of through 
righteousness. Paul writes, For I consider the things, the sufferings of this present time, not even to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed to us. So to the Christian, and only a Christian, can have a different perspective on evil. That one day God will make it right, and friend, eternity is a very, very long time. So let's let's see the long ball game, and let's find ourselves in the midst, yes, of pain and sorrow and sin and suffering, but with an eye to a future, and heaven and eternity is a very, very long time, very, very long time, and we're just here in training. So what principles then can we apply that help us deal with this issue, the problem of evil and suffering and pain in the world in a macro kind of way and in our own personal lives? Listen, I want to encourage you, and this might not make any sense to you, but for your information, I'm not a Calvinist. We won't go there. But I am a sovereigntist. God is in control. He is sovereignly working out His will in a world where evil is allowed. Romans 9, 19, you will say to me, why does he find fault? Who resists his will? On the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this, will it? Or does the potter have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honor and one for common use? You see, the Lord is in control, and he did so in making these vessels to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy which he prepared beforehand for glory. Dear friend, he is in control. He has your best interest at heart, believe it or not. For I know the plans I have for you, not for calamity, but to give you a future and a hope. And he will never allow things to come our way that we will not be able to bear it. That's the promise of God in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, for no temptation, and that word in the original language means trial as well, has come upon you that's too difficult for you to bear. He will give you the resources you will be able to bear under it. Listen, Jesus promised problems. In this world you will have Tribulation. But I have overcome the world, Jesus says in John sixteen thirty three. We're trying to unpack the issue of evil and suffering and sin in the world. Give us a different perspective. You see, God's desire is to make me and you like Jesus. And he will use evil and suffering in our lives to accomplish his purposes. Romans eight twenty eight says, and we know God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him who are called according to his purpose. He causes all things to work together for good. What good? Verse 29, that we would be conformed in the image of his dear son. See God at work in your life, even using the challenges of life to make us more like him. I mean, we grow more in those areas and those times than when everything's going well, don't we? You see, what I'm trying to say is... There are no explanations given in Scripture addressing the problem of evil and suffering, other than the fact that Genesis 18.25 says, 
shall not the judge of all the earth do right? We know that the judge of all the earth will do right. I have an unusual perspective on answers to prayer. I believe there are three answers to prayer. Yes now, yes later, and yes different. For all the promises of God are yes in Christ, 2 Corinthians one twenty. You see, there are no explanations given in Scripture, just testimonies. Hear the testimony of Joseph, all he went through, what, 12 years. Hear the testimony of Job, though he slay me still, I will worship him. Testimonies throughout Scripture give us encouragement and hope, and hope, as Paul writes in Romans. Let's face it, some things are unexplainable, and we'll just never figure them out, honestly. Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed so that we might do them. Uh, sometimes the answer to the why question will never be fully answered, but could we transform that question from why into what now is my relationship to you, Lord? Don't get stuck on the why, but what now is my relationship to you, O Lord? You see, the answer to the problem of evil and suffering and sin, sorrow, is not found in information about God. It is found in fellowship with God. Be still and know that I am God. I am at work, even in the midst of all these problems. You see, the, the devil can become the Lord's errand boy if we'll let him such is the case in Joseph's life and in Job's life. I don't need to mention all the other biblical characters who went through the valleys and yet came through on the other side. And so let's avoid the natural human response to suffering. I don't deserve this. You're right, you don't deserve this. You deserve death and hell, and so do I. Let's try to change our perspective and see things the way the Lord wants us to see them. Be back in a moment. Well, I talk a talk that I don't walk and miss the moments right before my eyes. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7. The Word. Good God Almighty, I hope you'll find me. Well, welcome back as we try best we can to unpack the issue of evil and suffering in the world. Try to get some perspective this Thursday afternoon. Hope you'll join us tomorrow at 5 o'clock where we will be interviewing Dr. Doug Weiss, who is CEO of Heart to Heart Counseling. We'll be addressing the issue of pornography. And so I hope you will tune us in tomorrow Five o'clock, Dr. Doug Weiss from Heart to Heart. Problem of evil and suffering in the world, challenging one. But again, let's avoid the natural human response. I don't deserve this. You're right. We deserve death and hell. God has blessed us in spite of ourselves, right? As we think in terms of suffering on a personal level, suffering reveals the real you. As I sit here in the studio with a cup of water, if uh, Matt were to come over here, my producer, and 
bump my elbow, what's going to come out of this cup? Water. You see, when you get bumped in life, what is in your emotional cup comes out. So let's ask God to give us the grace to respond and not to react. Again, Christ did not come into the world to explain the problem of evil and suffering, but to solve it and to fill it with his presence. For we do not have a high priest who has not suffered independently of us, but in every way he has been tempted in all things, yet without sin. So let us hold fast to our confession. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And let's let Jesus' own example help us with the problem of evil and suffering on a more personal way. In 1 Peter 2, the Bible says that Jesus committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth when he suffered. But he left us an example. While being reviled, he did not revile. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously. 1 Peter 2.23. Could I encourage you, dear friend, to keep entrusting yourself to the one who judges righteously, who will make all things new in his time. Let me remind you that the real culprit is Satan. The the thief comes not but to kill, steal, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life, John 10.10. When Jesus told the story, the parable of the wheat and tares, when he addressed the tares, he said, an enemy has done this. Dear friend, the God of this world, Satan, is the one who is doing this. Satan is the God of this world, and yet he is on a short leash. He cannot do anything he wants to do, this is in the case of Job. But we live in a fallen world, and these are the consequences of sin in this world. But you see, the devil can become the Lord's errand boy if you'll let him. Deuteronomy 23.5 says that I will transform a curse into a blessing. God can bring good out of evil if we will let him. And I encourage you to embrace the value that, yes, prayer does change things. In the midst of our suffering, we are encouraged, like the three Hebrew children, to cry out to God, to believe God for a specific outcome. And yet, if it doesn't, we'll we'll continue to honor and worship the Lord. Yes, prayer changed Hezekiah. God added years to his life. You see, I don't understand it. But somehow God has woven prayer into the warp and woof of his purposes to get them done. So seek God, cry out to God, at the very least, you're going to feel the strength of God well up within you to address the challenges of this life. You see, the Bible says repentance brings blessings So would we just come humbly before the Lord, and if we have a bad attitude or sins of the flesh in our lives, to come clean with God and allow God's presence and, yes, His blessings to flow over us. You see, my responsibility is to respond with hope and faith. 
we are not primarily called to understand the problem of sin and suffering, but to believe. Peter writes to these Christians who were going through unbelievable persecution. Did he write in 1 Peter 3? Now, let me give you the philosophical and the theological answer to the problem of sin and suffering you're experiencing. No. He writes, If you can, in this greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have been distressed by various trials, and that word various is the word polka dot, they come in various polka dotty forms, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and honor and glory through revelation of Jesus. Though you've not seen him, you love him, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. He's talking to Christians here. Your mind, will, and emotions can be delivered, just as your spirit has through the work of Jesus Christ. The problem of evil and suffering is the answer to it. The greatest answer to suffering, listen, is found in the heart and the mind of the sufferer. Don't be like Job's friends, trying to interpret suffering for somebody else. When someone is going through personal suffering, the worst thing you can do is try to speak theology over them and try to interpret it for them. Listen, God gives grace. He gives understanding and insight to the person who's going through it. God will minister to them, and they will find the strength, the resources they need. Now, one of those resources is you as a fellow Christian, but let's not try to interpret for them what's going on. As Job processed through Job, he found it out for himself. And as he went through the suffering, in the end, of course, God blessed him. But still, it's tough sledding. But when Job prayed for his friends, God restored his fortunes. So let's have the attitude of Job in trusting God in the midst of terrible, difficult situations. There is that sovereign will of God that will be accomplished. There is that permissive will of God which may or may not be realized as we journey through the challenges of life. And then there is the ultimate purposes of God, which will be done. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And let's let the Lord transform Hosea 2.15, the valley of Achor, into a door of hope. The valley of Achor was that valley where the rebellious children of Israel were cast into the valley and slain because of their rebellion. But God said he can even take the valley of trouble, transform it into a door of hope. He can take a curse and transform it into a blessing. Perhaps we need to redefine curse and blessing, because God is a master of taking our problems and helping us through them. You see, only faith in God makes suffering bearable. Remember, he who has a why to live can bear almost any what he must endure. And where God does not rule, he overrules in our affairs, if we will let him. 
So let's translate our why, Lord, into what now is my relationship with you. You see, when you go through suffering, when your father permits you to go into the furnace of affliction, he always keeps his eye on the clock and his hand on the thermostat, Warren Rearsby. So God give us grace to navigate the challenges of life, even helping others through suffering as you help us. Comfort them as you've comforted us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Have a great evening. Hope I've helped. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.